Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tusu. And I'm Ann Friedman. We're still kind of on vacation, but. What do you mean, kind <laughs> of? We are deep in the vacation now. <laughs> So so we are pre-recording this episode with a delightful grab bag of listener questions and prompts. Are you excited? I am really excited because I love listening to questions and I love giving advice. Is that true? <laughs> JK, JK, that is not true. Nothing gives me more anxiety than giving advice. Announcements. We oh have my announcements. God, before, before we take, before we start, what's up? <laughs> Shout out to all the Midwest divas. We are coming to you. Yes. And uh, we're going to be in Minneapolis on October 21st. And we're going to be in Chicago on October 23rd. So go to callyourgirlfriend.com slash events. And all of the links are there. Also, here's my favorite thing about all the Midwest divas. They're like, will you come to like all these other cities? Otherwise, we're driving to Chicago. I forget that the Midwest is like one big like village and you guys like will always drive to somewhere. The other thing you forget is that Midwest ladies love a good road trip. Shout out to my fellow Midwest divas. I know. We're willing to road trip for what we love. (laughs) It's literally like hundreds of ladies like you like asking the same questions. So... For those of you who want to know, these are the last two shows that we're doing in 2018. So if you don't catch us, if you don't catch us this time, you will catch us sometime next year. Also, LOL, our last show is in 2017 because we are not all living in 2018 like you. You know what? It's our last shows for 2019. (laughs) 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 If I have my way, the last for 2020 also. But anyway, um, so... This is the this is the last chance you have to see us this year. So we'll see you October twenty first in Minneapolis and October twenty third in Chicago. When we get letters from listeners, I think of them more as like prompts for issues they would like us to discuss on the show and less like Anna and Amina fix my life because you know what like after one email that is not enough info to give like, I yeah really I'm specific. just like, I'm like listen everybody should do their own research <laughs> like I'm not trying to get sued I'm like not gonna tell you to like leave your boyfriend <laughs> like I can't do this this is like at the end of pharmaceutical ads when it's like Anne and Amina cannot guarantee results. They will not tell you to leave your boyfriend. This is not direct advice that should be followed in any format. This is just... That's a, right. And if yeah. you have diabetes or blah, 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 do this. Uh, yeah. If I, you yeah. have hypertension, do not listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I love that the pharma ads are basically like, take this medicine, but you'll definitely die of something else. Always. No question. That's how I feel about like advice giving on the internet. <sighs> yes. I appreciate that you don't really talk about relationships or sex on the podcast. I really do. (laughs) 
So I'm going to go ahead and ask you about both. I'm a 22-year-old straight woman in my first real job in the media field. I'm very driven, confident, and creative, and always learning. But there is one thing about myself that I'm embarrassed about. I'm a virgin, and I've never had any romantic or sexual experiences, save for a few brief courtships that didn't go anywhere. I'm constantly trying to understand myself, to explain myself in a culture that tells me I'm a freak. I say to myself, I'm extremely independent, I'm an introvert, and I hate people. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't need Did I write want. this email? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't need or want a relationship right now, but it is impossible not to feel shame. I know there are many young women out there in similar situations. Right now, it feels like a big deal that I don't have these experiences. There's a logical side of me which says it will happen when you're ready and when you are really happy with your life how it is. Then there is the overshadowing message that I don't fit in, that I'm a freak, that there must be something wrong with me. I joined Tinder about six months ago and have chatted briefly with a few people, but I've never met anyone in person. But yesterday I matched with this guy and he wants to get a beer, first time anyone has asked me out. Cue my existential dread. All the evidence points to the fact that going on a date would be a good thing, but as someone who has never dated before, it makes me super nervous. It's the societal expectations. I've messaged every one of my close friends today asking if I should meet him. Really, I was clamoring around for enough yeses to potentially push me over the edge and actually go out of my comfort zone. So now I'm emailing you. I honestly try to channel both of your energies in my daily life to give me confidence, honesty, and a sense of humor. Do you have any sex-positive literature to recommend to a feminist who hasn't started her sexual journey yet? Do you have any advice for a feminist who, despite loving herself, can't seem to shake the shame that comes with being a total virgin at 22 in 2017? Could you give a pep talk to me and other people who are in similar situations as they start their dating and sexual life at a later age? Oh my gosh, I love this listener so much. Like, I don't know her, but I love her. I love the phrase sexual journey. I love the idea I of like... Know. <laughs> I know. Some of the, like, I, I will say that like um, some of the framing of this seems so healthy to me. Like, I understand that this listener is like working through some stuff, but like as opposed to being like defining virginity as penis and a vagina sex or something like that, she's like, no, no, no. It's just that I haven't started a sexual journey. That framing is like broader and I think healthier and more in tune with reality and like what I would like to see more people characterizing their sex lives as especially early on you know this is true so there's like a lot to unpack here so, so first much. of all to this listener if you're around anybody who makes you feel like a freak for being a virgin just know that that person is an idiot like an that person is the freak <laughs> yeah that person is the freak and an idiot there is nothing wrong with being a virgin at 22 or like an actual baby child and <laughs> two, like this is not a real thing like that you're supposed to lose your virginity at a certain age and whatever like that is just there is no supposed to yeah yeah there's no supposed to it's like you lose your virginity like when you're ready to do it hopefully you learn to have like great partnered experiences but here's the other thing I think you need to figure out a couple things well, one question I have, have you embarked on a sexual journey with yourself? Because there doesn't need to be two or more people to have sex. You can have sex by yourself. I mean, my longest, most reliable sexual partner, my right hand, and I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, truth, you know, but I think that there's something like really powerful about like learning your own body and like knowing like what turns you on and what you like 
and really just like feeling confident with your own body before you like set out meeting other people that I think can be really helpful, especially if you have anxieties about like being older or like not knowing how it works, you know? Um, I think that that's, I think that that's really important. But secondly, also you need to figure out if you want to have sex with someone. There is nothing wrong with not wanting to do that. There is absolutely like nothing wrong. And there's definitely nothing like anti-feminist about not wanting to have lots of sex with lots of partners. Like, like yeah. feminism and virginity are totally compatible if that makes you like happy. <laughs> yeah. Some of my favorite feminists are virgins. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you know, and I think that like this question of like whether you want to have sex with someone is so important because there's like no shame in having a low sex drive. There is no shame in being asexual if you are. Not saying that this listener is, but a lot of people are, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in, like, wanting to be celibate for, like, a season or forever. And I think that, like, it's all about, like, figuring out, like, what you want to do and then figuring out ways to get there. Also, there was kind of, like, implied this idea that, like, nobody has asked her to have sex yet, which, Mm -hmm. like... Sure, but have you asked anybody to have sex yet if you want to? This is the only part of, like, tough love that I have for virgins and for, like, pretty much anybody else is that, like, if you want something, what have you done to get there? You cannot wait for people to ask you around all the time. Yeah, and and I think that, like, what's hard about answering this in letter form as opposed to a conversation, which I think, again, is what we were saying earlier, why this is more about the issues it raises than about specific advice, is, like, it's not clear to me, like, exactly whether this listener is, like, I want to be having partnered sex and I'm not, or whether it's, like, I don't really want it and I feel like society is making me feel like I should. All of those things aside, like, just being clear that, like, if there is a desire you feel, like, to experiment with something or like or to not being being proactive about acting on that or like being proactive about feeling good about your choice not to either of those things is fine I also think about one of my favorite lines from Clueless which is I'm not prude I'm highly selective (laughs) and like I feel like that applies that's like a very like operative description of you know my early sexual journey where I was like maybe I am a prude and the truth was I was like no the problem was I was heterosexual and like heterosexual men in their early 20s are like not the most appealing sex partners all of the time this this is also true this is like 100% true I think I'm a little bit of a prude it's not true (laughs) (laughs) I like pretending that I'm a prude when you're just highly selective (laughs) I know except for when I lived in San Francisco I was definitely the prude in town I I so identify with this person too because I'm the like need to do research on everything I need to like figure out the mechanics of everything before I like put myself out there so like one book that I would recommend to you to read is the guide to getting it on that is like very comprehensive about like all of the ways that you can get it on you know like for me was very formative experience thank you And Mm -hmm. (laughs) thank you to the lady who brought it, who bought it for me. I think that like if because there's a little bit of anxiety there, like, let's be real. Like I was a real nerd. Like there was no way I was going to embark into like sexual journey without like much, much research. Totally. So I think that like that's one thing that'll probably like make you feel easier about the whole thing. And then if you do decide that like you actually like, yes, after doing all of this research and like whatever you decide that like you really want to go out there and meet people 
then go out there and meet people. But like, it is real work. You definitely have to leave the house. You definitely have to take a shower occasionally. You're definitely going to have to like talk to people that you don't want to talk to. That's my description of dating. I'm just like, here are all the things things that qualify as dating. But here's here's like the upside of like going on like all of these online dates. Like I always joke that like nobody has gone on more first dates than me. Here's the thing. It's like even if it doesn't materialize into anything, it's like really good practice. And you like you need to cast a wide net. You need to meet people. And you need to like learn how to be in like situations where you can materialize that for yourself. Yeah. And I think that there's also some good resources about not just guidebooks or mechanics, but things about helping you tap into what you might be interested in and with whom. The sex coach, Maisha Battle, who we've had on the show in the past, she has a resources page on her website that we'll link to in show notes that has links to some feminist porn and sex toy shops she recommends and like sex coaching resources. And so like, you know, is a good jumping off point. I also recommend there's a book by a friend of the podcast, Jacqueline Friedman, that came out a few years ago called What You Really, Really Want. And in it, she has a bunch of quizzes and creative exercises and like prompts to help you think about what you might be interested in doing. And I think that like there's something very valuable. I should also note Jacqueline has a new book coming out too called Unscrewed, which is sort of on on similar subject matter, which is like taking all of the messages you're given about your sexuality or what you're supposed to want or what you're supposed to feel ashamed of and reconciling those messages with like what you in you, your body and your desires like want to be doing and with whom. I think there's a lot of power in in that period between feeling like you want to be doing more on your sexual journey, but maybe while or before you are like out there meeting lots of people or meeting more people where you can spend some time articulating and like thinking about and exploring what you're into for you because that is also part of the journey as you label it. (laughs) Totally. You know, and also figure out like if you have any hangups about having sex with someone that you're not in a relationship with or if it's really important for you to like know that person better. This is like the good thing about like (laughs) being alone right now and figuring this out is that you can kind of you can think about this kind of stuff and make boundaries for yourself. Totally. Instead of being thrown into situations where you're like, I don't know what's going on. Like, what am I supposed to do? And blah, blah, blah. And here's the other thing. It's like you're not alone. Like you're literally not alone in this. There there are so many late bloomers uh, around you. It's a shame that there is a stigma around it because like mostly because we don't talk about it. But also um, all of the people I found in like our early 20s that were like, really big about talking about all of the sex that they were having i'm like so eye rolly right now where it was like really you were having like mm, i'm not sure about this i think that like everybody puts on like a a lot of like bravado and like brogadacio to to talk about the stuff but really we're all trying to figure it out so like you're not alone in trying to figure it out Sex is fun, but it's also awkward and it's also kind of ridiculous. And it is, you know, there's there's so many things there. And I think that like if you can articulate, like if you can figure out what your boundaries are now, articulate them and like find somebody who will meet you halfway there, you will have so much more fun. 
Yeah. And also like articulating those boundaries will help you figure out if someone is going to meet you or not, you know, like, (laughs) you knowing your baseline. So good luck to this listener on your sexual journey. Good luck to you and your right hand or your left. Uh (laughs) I know you got this. Learn how to have sex with yourself and then decide if you want to like meet people. And uh, and when you do do it, holler at us. One hundred. You know what's you know what's worse than not having sex? Having bad sex. So, (laughs) I mean, like, it's going to be fine. I mean, statistically speaking, if you are someone who's interested in having sex with other people, you're probably going to have a lot of bad sex in your life. Like, it's just going to happen. Especially if you're having (laughs) sex with men, you're like definitely going to have a lot of bad sex in your life. It's just it's just guaranteed. Like, I mean, yeah. Straight ladies burden. (laughs) Straight lady problems. You meet him at a bar, you're going to have problems. (laughs) You meet him through a friend, definitely going to have problems. Different types of problems, but yeah. (laughs) Uh, Different types of problems. Okay, next email. I'm trying to find some not fast fashion basics, but I'm plus size and I'm having a really tough time. Can you guys recommend any stores? Also, I'll have to ship them as I do not live in the U.S. You have to ship them in the U.S. too. (laughs) I really like stores like Gap and J.Crew. Basically, lots of stripes and pretty simple shapes. I love this question for many reasons because it's literally like, can you do my shopping for me? Which, like, secretly I want to do. But we don't have enough, <laughs> like, we don't have enough information. Like, knowing what country we would have to ship to would be helpful. I like the idea that you think we have time to start a personal shopping service on top of everything else. <laughs> I, are you kidding me? That's and cute. That would be, like, the best way for me to, like, channel all of my procrastination. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Like, oh, Amina, like, 10 projects are due next week. I'm like, sorry, I'm running a personal shopping concierge service out of my podcast. I don't have time for this. You keep that excuse in your back pocket. (laughs) I know. So this question is like, this question is really tough. And I've been thinking about it for a while because here's the truth. Even for people who are not plus size, shopping like at a not fast fashion place is hard for many reasons. One being that like usually those clothes tend to be more expensive and if you're plus size they will definitely be more expensive and also you just have to do it requires like both like a monetary investment but also like a seriously like onerous time investment because it means that you're gonna have to do a lot of research about like designers that you want to support and and also I think that like we're not always on the same page about what we think about as fast fashion like forever 21 is definitely fast fashion but even some stores that don't get labeled fast fashion, like Gap and J. Crew that you mentioned, like sometimes have like not great environmental policies or like labor policies and things like that. So totally getting clothes at a price point that is fair 
where like people don't die making your clothes and the planet is not dying is like it's a very hard endeavor and like that could be your full-time job (laughs) yeah and it requires like being really really fastidious there's like actually i saw like a trailer for a documentary on netflix about this that was like really like the trailer was really scary it was just like so you can have cheap clothes like women in like these countries like literally die and cling on to life and i was like ah but also like it's true um (laughs) so so in terms of like stores and whatever i my best advice to you like not knowing where you live is to start at like close to home and think about like who are like smaller designers that you can um that um that can that you can support so whether that is like etsy which like ships all around the world pretty much um whether that's like doing etsy or you know like doing a search for some like cool designers in your area and really just emailing them you know and talking to them about stuff one of the things that i really appreciate um about uh about starting to think like more consciously about your clothes is that you're going to have to like have a relationship with the people who make your clothes. And so thinking about like emailing them and asking them for recommendations, like if you can't afford what they're making, um, if they have time to get back to you, like that would be amazing. There, uh, there is some research that you can do as well on like, I mean, I know the specifically this question is about like plus size clothing. I mean, I have a, like a body that is not very well represented by a lot of like, you know, just off the rack clothing. And I, I feel like one thing I've learned to do is know my body's actual measurements pretty well. Like, um, okay, if it's stretched, this is like what the, you know, size needs to be. This is like roughly what the different lengths are. And then if I'm shopping online, I can look for actual dimensions on a piece of clothing as opposed to trying to judge by a picture on a body that doesn't look like mine at all. Um, that's also something when you when you mentioned like having a relationship with a, a clothing company, you can email them and say like, what are the dimensions on this thing that looks like it might fit me, but I'm not sure. And so like some of this is interesting because it starts with like knowing your body a little bit better. And like, you know, it's not like not in the sense of like, I normally wear a size, whatever, but like, no, actually, what are the dimensions of my body? Which I think like for me has always been a way healthier way for me to think about my bod. Like, it's not like, oh, there, there is this like progressive series of round numbers that you fit into or you don't, but it's just like, okay, this is the size and shape of, you know, the thing I live in. (laughs) It's almost like a like clothes making point of view even if you're not going to make them yourself I think it's helpful Mm -hmm. you told me that amazing Virgie Tovar um, quote about this oh my god yes when when I interviewed Virgie Tovar for a phone a friend episode a million years ago she said then and she likes to say on her Instagram in public the tag says no but the stretch says yes (laughs) so the materials (laughs) that things are made of really matter too you know we all know that like if like some jeans are built with a little bit of stretch. They fit differently. You know, if it's like 100% starched heavy cotton, that is going to feel really different than 100% spandex. Like we all know this, but like paying some attention to other types of materials and how they stretch. So like if you have a shirt in your closet that you love, like looking at the tag and being like, oh, this is made of rayon and whatever. And I like that. And then paying attention when you shop for things that are made that way too. Yeah. I mean, ever since you gave me the hot tip about like measuring yourself, I feel so much less intimidated also about going into stores that are just like uh, straight sizes. Mm -hmm. And like in my closet right now, there is everything from a size 10 to a size 18 and like all of it fits. 
because the number on the tag is a lie and you should really just like try it on for yourself. Totally. One store that I really like right now that has like a tiny, 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 tiny selection, but it's also like why I like it. It's called May Smith, M-E-I Smith dot com. And one, they have great customer service. I had a package get lost at UPS and like they totally made it right and like fixed it and just like it was great. And, you know, it's like a small designer. And the fact that like she took so much time out of her day, like she's a small like boutique owner and that she took time out of her day to do that like over a couple days, I really appreciate it. But the thing that I like about the store the most is that the selection is really small which has really forced me to like focus on specific like basic looks. I like a minimalist closet, even though I fail at it. And I like the fact that it's like also introduced me to a lot of designers that I normally would not have gone to. Because totally. one, I would think that like it was out of my price range or two, that they like simply just didn't make clothes that fit me. And so looking at like looking at May Smith has been really good for me. I, you know, we've like talked about Miranda Bennett so many times <laughs> on uh, this show. Woman-owned plant-based business. <laughs> exactly. Like another smaller independent designer who you would also like not think would like cater to like plus sizes. Like I don't think anything in Miranda's store like says that it would fit in my size. But here's what's great about it. She makes a lot of like sack dresses and like great wrap shirts and like pants and whatever. And because it tells you the exact measurements, you can decide for yourself whether it fits or not. I know, which I appreciate so much. I know. Another store that I'm really into is Hack With Design. H-A-C-K-W-I-T-H Design. And these are also like really simple pieces. They're really beautiful. And they like fit in a range of sizes and the thing that I appreciate about, like, honestly, like, May Smith, Hackwith Design, and Miranda Store is that they focus on pieces that everybody should have in their closet. And once you, like, have that figured out, you learn how to mix and match. Because I think that the lie of fast fashion is that you need to, like, you need to do every trend. You need to own, like, 10 different color jeans. You need to own, like, 17 going out tops. You need to have, like, a lot of stuff to look good whereas like if you like just slow down and you were like hmm what's the best dress that I can get what's the best shirt that I can get what's the best pair of denim I can get what's the best like palazzo pant or whatever and then just like start building your closet that way and then actually learning like what works for your body and what makes you happy and like dressing for the moods that you're in I think that that's like a much healthier approach to buying clothes totally I also want to shout out when we had our merch maven Carly Knowles on the show back when we were launching our shop, she talked about Garmentory, which is, I kind of use it as a directory for local shops and boutiques. And I don't say this because I think that everything on it is sustainably sourced or comes in a wide size range, but I do say that because I think a lot of independent retailers are happier to help you when it comes to questions of like size and material. Mm -hmm. They often know the designers they stock. And so using that as kind of like a browsing tool to get to know, okay, like maybe if not in your town, like in, you know, your region, who are some of the smaller independent clothing companies getting familiar with places that are close to home. So Garmentory is a great resource. It's not cheap, but like, you know, if you're expecting to meet all these criteria about sustainability and um, a better supply chain and still pay, 
$7.99 for a t-shirt, like you are severely delusional. So, um, yeah, and- I mean, you know, like the not cheap thing I think is like, it's really important to talk about because we all have this like, uh, you know, like super consumerist approach when it comes to clothes. But the truth is that like, if you want to support like rad business practices and you want to support the people, it's like when I think about even the people on Garmentory or like some of the women that we've mentioned, like those stores, their margins are razor thin. Like none of them are like becoming millionaires mm-hmm. off of the clothes that they're they're making you, you know? And I think that that's something that's really important to think about. But also thinking about like the quality of clothing that you get. It's like that $7.99 t-shirt is like great, but like that's not a shirt that's going to be in your closet like five years from now. That's like just not going to happen. Right. And to that end, I just, I, I think that if you do want, I mean, because this listener is like, listen, I like Gap and J. Crew, I like Basics and Stripes. I'm, my advice to you is like for, to like scratch that fast fashion itch. Or if you're like, for whatever reason, I just want a new t-shirt Get it at a thrift store. Like these days, thrift stores are full of Gap and J. Crew and like honestly, lightly used fast fashion because it cycles so quickly. And so if you don't have a billion dollar budget and you do want a few basics, like I really encourage you to develop a thrift practice. <laughs> and it's like it's it's not yeah, quick. Either. I buy all of my J. Crew on eBay. Like I right. don't remember the last time I went into like J. Crew the store. Also, like, they don't make the clothes like they used to, so you have to buy them on eBay. But that's a separate story. Don't move um, your production from Italy to wherever else they moved it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> That's, like, a really hot tip. And also, like, eBay ships all around the world. You know, like, if you don't have a thrift store near you, that is helpful. Um, Etsy will ship all around the world. Definitely a higher price point than eBay. But, like, if that's what you want, that's what you want. But I would say this is another thing, too, where it's like tap into the local plus fashion scene in your area, plan a clothing swap like everybody will love you if you're the one that plans a clothing swap. And I guarantee you will go home with some nice things and just like start talking to the people who like make the clothes near you and people who sell clothes near you. Like you could probably convince some really cool boutique owner to start importing like the clothes that you want. Yeah. And sometimes the way I think about this, too, in terms of the time that that to put in, because also like I spend my my time as well, like looking for things that are off season or on sale from some of those designers who do things better, because like, let's be real, I can't afford to buy like a whole closet full of full priced, like super super expensive clothes that the research time that goes into buying one piece of better clothing uh, is is like, how is that different really than like spending your kind of stoner in front of the TV time scrolling through 25 pages of like ASOS results. When I think about the time that goes into doing this sort of shopping, it's time differently spent as opposed to spending a million more years looking for things that are made better. Um, And I do think that like being a size that the market does not cater to makes this more difficult, but it's a trick for everyone. They do not make this easy for everyone. (laughs) definitely not easy and I think that it also sets you down a path of like thinking really thinking holistically about like how you spend money on clothes regardless and and what that does to you you know and that's the problem being woke like once you open one eye like you kind of can't go back (laughs) being woke so expensive (laughs) yeah being woke is expensive but also supporting like people in your community who do good like they should be rewarded for that and so 
I'm even uncomfortable, like, sometimes, you know, saying that the clothes are too expensive. It's like, no, actually, the clothes cost exactly what they should cost. We're just addicted to, like, buying clothes for no money. Mm-hmm. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, good luck to you. Hopefully, you, like, don't live in an embargo country where you can't get anything shipped to you. <laughs> but hopefully, that'll work out. That's my favorite thing to see on ASOS, you know, where they're like, we will not ship to Cuba, Iran. And then there's always like random ones where I'm like, what? Like, why can't you ship a pair of denim to like Dubai? I don't get it. I don't um, know. But you know, <laughs> like, I don't set those laws. So uh, good luck to you. We don't make the laws. <laughs> yeah, we do not make the laws. sharing the point that Wesley Morris made about the trapdoor of race the trapdoor racism I realized that I'm about to do a very white lady thing and make this about my experience sorry but I wonder if you agree that something similar exists for white women she actually you just added white women she just said something similar exists for women but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just said for white women yeah something I mean fair enough exists but... for women Ugh, I'm like no, it was a warranted just, edit, but go on. I'm just trying to breathe through this. In your episode with Maisha Battle, who's already come up once today, you mentioned how since the election, many women experience a kind of resentment and distance from men in their lives. I now strongly have this feeling that even the nicest or greatest guys among my friends and family and partners, there will eventually come a day when the other shoe drops and they say something hurtful and sexist that shows how little they understand of women's experience. It's made dating more challenging for me since the election, and I'm not ready to accept what most of my friends say, which is that this is literally how all men are. You're going to end up having to educate your partner if he's worth sticking with. Thoughts? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm just rolling my eyes. I mean, there is a level of self-awareness in which whiteness is acknowledged up front, and yet... (laughs) And, but that's why white women are so dangerous, is that they acknowledge it, and then they just, like, forge ahead. I mean, okay, let's let's try to unpack Unpack, this a little bit. Unpack, (laughs) unpack, unpack. I think that saying up front that these are somehow comparable or parallel experiences is not true. I mean, it's like, and I don't, I don't know that, I mean, I guess like this, this listener is using the same metaphor for what I think are fairly different phenomenon for like a lot of, a lot of reasons. Like some of them, I think most of them related to the fact that most people live their everyday lives in contact with people of other genders. They do not like, you know, statistically, most white people do not live their lives in close personal relationships with people of other races. So there's like something going on too about like how common this experience of being hurt by someone across like, you know, someone with more power and privilege than you who you have a personal relationship with that just is not parallel. I think that's fair for sure. So I don't know. I just like, I want to say that part up front, but like, I also hear this within this question as like, uh, how much patience do you have if you're a woman 
with men in your life who you don't feel are politically caught up to where you want them to be. Is that like, is that also what you were hearing in here? I think if anything, like this question is making me really think hard about how, um, you know, it's like family you're kind of stuck with, like when they believe like shitty things. Well, not that you're stuck with them, but it's like you didn't choose that. Mm-hmm. But with like friends and partners really thinking hard about like low key, what are my litmus tests so that like I'm not sleeping with a Hitler youth one day. Oh, totally. Figuring And figuring that out. And I like to think that I have some of that down, you know, where I'm like, what do you think about school vouchers? Like, what, like, who is sister, who is sister soldier? Like, what's going on? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where I do that. But the truth is that, like, you know, that stuff, like, like all of the isms are traps. It's like, you can love somebody really hard and then they will say some, like, fucked up shit. And you're like, what? This is bananas. And it doesn't even have to be. It doesn't even have to be like, I don't know, like a 10 fire alarm to really destabilize you. I think that that's the other part of this question, too, that's so interesting to me. It's like, what counts as something that's like actually a trap? Because when you do take it personally, it's like anything can be a trap, you know? Right. Even a casual disagreement can turn into like a deal breaker. Whereas, um, you know, like when you look at like issues systemically, it's like, well, you know, like... Like, all of my white friends, definitely a potential racist. All of my, like, partners, like, definitely potential sexist. But, like, we're going to navigate through all of that. Um, <laughs> it, you know, like, it's, it, like, it's a shitty way to look at the world. But, like, for me, and, like, I'm, like, I, like, you know, uh, what's that, like, what's that advice? It's, like, a prepare for the worst, hope <laughs> for the best or whatever. Right. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's how you deal with this shit. Here's the rub, right? Like, we keep talking about, like, racism and sexism, but the truth is that, like, anytime there is a power imbalance, like, in any, in, like, any kind of relationship, whether it's, like, has to do with money or it has to do with, like, access or fame or whatever, like, all of these traps are the same. Totally. Yeah, and I think that, like, you know, it's a it's a hard thing to articulate because you're right. Like, these things are big and systemic and, like, in some ways it's not personal, but, like, at, at a certain point, if, like, say, you can recognize patterns, right? This is why journaling is such a good practice. <laughs> you can recognize <laughs> patterns and be like, oh, okay, so it's not, it actually is systemic. And, like, you know, like, uh, uh, something that makes, you know, it feels like something that feels, like, really surprising or threatening in the moment happens, like, you know, of the kind of experience this listener is describing once every couple of years, it's like, okay, like that's because this is systemic. I mean, like if this is like a weekly occurrence, like look at your life and look at your choices. You know what I mean? Like, totally. like there's, it's, it's a hard thing to really like put a hard line on. And it's also one of those things that like, you know, at the end of the day, like the trap is not so apparent as much as like, you're right. It's like it, like this stuff has been manifesting for a while. Right. Where, you know, especially with partners where, you know, the the whole thing about like, you know, being in a relationship with someone is that you like, at, like you move closer and closer to like a middle point <laughs> that you're like both like, uh, this is not where I live. Um, you know, and like for me, maybe that means like listening to a little bit more Swedish metal. And for him, maybe <laughs> that means like read some like fucking books made like written by women like all year, you know. And so that's the thing. It's like, like if your partner is not like making an effort for you and you're making an effort for them, like whether it's like about social justice or it's literally like, I don't know, like picking up his like fucking clothes, then you should like you should really decide if like this person is somebody who is like working hard to like be in a relationship with you. Oh, uh, 
I love that so much. That is like a hundred percent. I'm glad we talked our way or you talked your way to an to an, an answer where I'm just like, that's the answer. You're so right. Like everyone needs to be working. Everyone needs to be working. <laughs> you need to be working on like every level. It's like if your partner says like, I'm not going to do this. Like, I know that this thing makes you like drives you crazy and I'm not going to work at it. Whatever the thing is. Like, whether it's, like, taking out the trash where it's, like, you know, like, I don't know, like, not saying racist things, then they're just not <laughs> worth it. It's oh just, God. like, just literally like... not worth it. But here's, like, the last point that I will make, which I know that I've, like, made to you multiple times, is that, like, when I think about, like, the work of getting free and, like, being liberated, I remember Heather Heyer so much who, like, lost her life in Charlottesville. Yep. And it's not to say that, like, everybody has to die in, like this project that we have like to to make everybody equal but the truth is that like people die all the time like people die all the time and it's like that's the ultimate price to pay and so when you think about like your own choices and like weighing that it's like what are you willing to lose Mm -hmm. and a lot of times like a lot of people are they like pay a lot of lip service but they're literally not willing to lose anything and it's like well like that's fine too but like realize that then we are not engaged in the same project yeah and like and if the what if the risk at play in like in this listener scenario is like potentially destabilizing a like a romantic relationship or something like i would argue that it's already been destabilized if someone has made a comment that is like you know hurtful and damaging to you that is like you know that that's causing you to question these things like like they already created that breach. And so it's sort of, it's sort of like pointing out that problem and like, and like taking, like it it can feel like furthering the risk. Right. And I think in some ways it is because letting it go is certainly easier, but like those are, those are the stakes at play here. And in the grand scheme of like, yeah, in the grand scheme of liberation, like destabilizing a personal relationship that should be able to weather a storm like this is like not the biggest risk you're ever going to undertake. Hopefully. Good luck, listener. <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, everyone. Good luck, heterosexual. <laughs> Good luck, heterosexual oh, white women. Good luck, everyone. Here's the, yeah, here's the other thing. We're just like straight people. We're the worst. We're like the actual worst, like the worst. It's just bad. Well, I'm glad we solved that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we solved sexism, racism, interpersonal relationships. Yeah. <laughs> fashion and like virginity we like solved every problem today i'm definitely gonna need like a massive nap now because that took everything out of me i know i'm gonna text all the men in my phone about like what they're doing for like equality today yeah level level up everyone (laughs) oh my god i'm gonna be like the hello bozos what's going on (laughs) all right what did you what did you do for somebody that was not you today I anxiously uh, <laughs> await your like mass text to your white friends. I'm I'm waiting for it. <laughs> uh, listen, my white friends need to start paying my phone bill if they were serious. I mean, reparations. <laughs> I know. It's just put it out there. Just put it out there so it's real. <laughs> uh, all right. I'll see you on the internet and in your inbox. <laughs> You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Apple Podcasts. We would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook, look that up yourself, or on Instagram at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All other music you heard today was composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. And this podcast is produced by the beautiful Gina Delbeck. My wife friend, I will see you hopefully in person soon. Oh my God, so soon.